I'm the best in the world at what I do. I've been the best since day one. On this microphone, in the booth, in my bed, I live it. I breathe it. I am it. Welcome to the Soldier. With me in my own I'm the best in the world And what the fuck I do Been spitting straight flames All alone in the pool It's lonely in the top When your heart is a zoo Vertical eyes Resembles a fool Tired of rejection Tired of protection Donnie's fucking tired Letting dumb shit affect them World of my making Balls those that mistaken Have any inclination Braced any fake shit Talent being wasted Time to Donnie catch cases That comes along Being the face of the faces Really ain't my fault Most of masses are tasteless Just another chip On the shoulder of the greatest What to do when I come through? Donnie fucking ooh. Salty thoughts of Donnie ooh podcast. On every streaming platform near you. Niggas think I was fucking playing. They thought I was on some bullshit before. They have no fucking idea what's about to come.
What up, people? Welcome to another edition of the Salty Thought to Donnie Oop podcast, featuring the one and only Donnie O, best in the world at what he does. Yeah, figured I'd set the mood right, get the old NFL films themes out, and get you ready for some motherfucking football. Yeah, man. The first week of the NFL season is in the books. And I have a whole bunch to say on the first week. As you can tell, no, I'm not just, I'm not yelling. I'm not speaking loud because... I'm just that excited to recap what my two pupils saw this past weekend. No, I'm not even speaking so loud because I'm so excited on uh, anything. Quite the opposite. It is less than Matter of fact, it's more than 48 hours since my New York J-E-T-S Jet Jet Jets shit the bed, as usual, this time, first game of the season against the Baltimore Ravens. Got a lot to say about that. Matter of fact, before I get into anything, let me let you know what the rundown is going to be this episode, this week, and pretty much this is the format that I plan on keeping Throughout the whole National Football League regular season. I, Donnie O, will be discussing and giving my salty thoughts on my beloved New York J-E-T-S Jets. And as much as I want to throw slander their way, I have to refrain this week. And I will be talking about the exhilarating victory. The exciting victory. The gutsy call by New York football Giants head coach Brian Dayball in their week one victory. That's right. I said week one victory against the Tennessee Titans on the road, nevertheless. Yeah. So after I talk about the New York teams, I will give a quick rundown on the rest of the league and what I saw and what concerned me when it comes to certain teams that I thought was actually going to be better than they showed this past Sunday. And then last but not least, to conclude this episode, I will bring back one of my favorite segments from last season with a slight twist. And that name of the segment is Donnie doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Oh, yes, he does. As a matter of fact, no, the fuck he don't. Because everything I thought, all the knowledge, all the wisdom that I thought I garnered last year when it came to fantasy football and when it came to fucking gambling went out the window because your boy Donnie, oh, shit. One, two, three. I was 0 for 3 on my bets. And 
I had a horrendous showing in my foray into DFS fantasy football this past Sunday. Because as I told y'all previously, Donnie Ooh is not in a fantasy football league this year. Much to my chagrin. The leagues that me and my homie, the Mojo King, or should I say my homie, the Mojo King, has put me on the last three years, that league is no longer exists. And in the fact that I was really looking forward to that particular league, because those are some trustworthy individuals, I refrained from getting into a league this year. So pretty much I'm going to be piecemealing it every fucking Sunday, just going and seeing what they have on tap on the DraftKings app concerning DFS, and I will try my luck there. But I will discuss why Donnie Ooh is so disgusted in that se segment. So that is the rundown for this week. So without further ado, let's get this shit on the road, huh? Good night. Mwah. And goodbye. Oh, matter of fact, no, 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 no. Not, no goodbye yet. No goodbye yet. Matter of fact, I rescind that kiss. Wah. If I can reverse it. I'd like to thank each and every one of y'all for making me and this podcast the one y'all choose to listen to. And later on this week, probably on Saturday, I will be going quasi-live on the YouTube channel. That's right. That's youtube.com slash M-I-K-E-S-T-E-P-H. Mike Steph. That's right. YouTube.com slash Mike Steph. I will be giving my thoughts on the ongoing pennant races concerning the New York Metropolitans and those stank-ass, musty-ass Yankees from the musty-ass Bronx. But that will be this Saturday on the YouTube page. Now, we can get this shit on the road, huh? Good night. See, I had to give y'all your kiss back. And good night. Bye. Now, for those who have been listening to this for a while, and probably those who've been listening to it for a short while, they should know that Donnie Ooh thrives in negativity. Donnie Ooh thrives in fucking angst. Donnie Ooh thrives in anger. So you would think I would want to start this episode, this first episode of the actual NFL season, talking about the follies of my beloved New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. But no, 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 no. Your boy, Donnie Ooh, has a whole bunch of fucking crow to eat. And I will be eating crow for the duration of this episode. So I figured, you know, since I got to rescind, matter of fact, I'm not going to rescind, but I'm going to be a man of my word. And if I cast shade upon your franchise of choice, if I've talked shit over your football team of choice, I do work in a glass box. I do not live in a glass box. So all the throw, all the stones I've been throwing, all the shots I've been throwing in the lead up of this season, I would be 
I would lose credibility if I wasn't a man of my man of my word. Matter of fact, I'm not even a man of my word. I didn't tell y'all this shit was coming. But I would not be a man of upstanding stature if I did not admit when I was possibly wrong. Hence, the title of this fucking episode, Jealous One's Envy. And those might be, those of y'all might be wondering, what are you jealous about? What is Aunt Donnie Ooh jealous about? Well, for one thing, I'm jealous that my team, the New York JTS Jets and Jets, are not the football team in this city that actually came out of week one with the victory. That would go, that honor would go to the New York football giants in which, like I said in the intro, they had an exhilarating victory on the road against the Tennessee Titans in which they won the game on a gutsy two-point conversion call by their rookie head coach. Brian Dayball, in which he called Saquon Barkley's number, and Saquon Barkley promptly answered the call. Saquon, albeit whether it's not whether or not it's contracts since the contract year he's putting on, or he's actually fully healthy, and or he actually has an offensive coach, offensive staff, a head coach that's worth a damn. Saquon did the damn thing. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he averaged 9.1 yards per carry. I believe he garnered over 160 yards in rushing. And a couple yards passing, a couple yards receiving. But he was the engine in which drove the New York Giants to, to to their success. Daniel Jones is still a work in, work in progress. Daniel Jones tried plenty of times to give that ball, give that game away, but Dayball did not allow him to. Dayball called, I would not say a conservative program, uh, uh, a conservative game. No, he called a smart game. He knows y'all have a quarterback who has a lot of warts on him. He knows. If the New York Giants are going to achieve anything this season, the one person that has the skills, that has the determination to get that job done would be Saquon Barkley. And it was Saquon Barkley right, Saquon Barkley left, Saquon Barkley up the middle, Saquon Barkley in the flat. It was the Saquon Barkley show. But above all else, because I'm not even going to talk about the minutiae of the actual victory. Because a victory is a victory is a victory. A win is a win is a win. No. What needs to be spotlighted here, once again, is the competence that they have in the head coaching position that they have not had, dare I say, since the glory is of Tom Coughlin. Ben McAdoo was a fucking joke. Uh, Pat Shermer was a fucking joke. Joe Judge 
as New England is finding out right now as we speak was a fucking joke. The one thing of optimism that most New York football Giants fans had in the offseason was this. We have a successful coordinator who developed Josh Allen in Buffalo and had that Buffalo team, especially on offense, running on all four cylinders. And this is what y'all were getting. Now, albeit without the amount of skilled players that Buffalo had, but knowing how to utilize the talent you have on hand. And that's what Brian Dayball did. And what he did by instead of saying, you know what, let's play it safe, let's kick this extra point, hope our defense holds and go into overtime, by him discarding that thought out of anybody's heads. And from what I either read or heard on talk radio yesterday, Brian Dayball got the team together, the whole team, the offense and the defense, got them together going into that drive. And we're like, look, we go down there and score. I want to go for two. Do y'all have a problem with that? The offense agreed. The defense, which is most important, agreed. So they went on that last, they went on the field in that last drive, all with the same mindset of this is what we're going to do. Our coach believes in us. This is what we're going to do. So there was no second guessing when they scored the touchdown. It wasn't a fucking surprise. Like, oh my God, we scored a touchdown. What are we going to do now? No, they expected to score. And they knew, all right, when we're going to score, we're going for the win. Go hard or go home. And not only did they go for the two and they were successful in the attempt, the defense held on just enough for Tennessee to attempt a field goal with the time elapsing and the kicker, kicker um, Bullock, I believe, yanked it to the side and they ran off the victory with a well-earned, hard-earned one-point victory, getting ready to, damn, who the fuck do they play this um, this coming week? Is it Cincinnati? I'm not sure. I know they got Dallas the following Monday night. Who, Dallas, tell you the truth, at the beginning of the season, Giants probably looked at that game like, eh, yeah, it's probably going to be a loss. Hmm. Now they can look at that, look at that, look at the schedule and point to that game we have an opportunity to go 3-0. and A far cry from what most New York football Giants fans were expecting. So, yeah, I ain't gonna lie. I'm a little envious. A little envious. I wouldn't say jealous quite yet. But the more and more that I see and that I hear and that I read about Coach Dayball, the more and more I believe... Y'all might actually have found the fucking head coach. Which is, besides the quarterback, 
one of the most important positions in the franchise. But instead of going through the revolving door of every two years getting rid of a coach, now y'all could try to actually stabilize the situation, get some more talent, talent in the building, and y'all will be confident in the fact that the man at the head of the table is the right man at the head of the table. Unlike what's going on on the opposite side of MetLife Stadium. My beloved New York Jets 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 laid an egg this past Sunday at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I did say in my half-assed NFL preview, when I was going down to divisions and picking out my playoff teams, I did have the New York Jets 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 locked in in that last number seven seed. It's too early for me to rescind that, but I have questions. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of worries. I thought in my infinite wisdom, which it seems like I have none of, that Joe Flacco was actually going to be competent. He is not. And that's problem number one. I thought that our offensive coordinator, being the fact that you have an experienced, albeit washed quarterback behind, you know, under center, that um, we were going to be a little bit more dynamic on offense. No, we weren't. You know who the star of the game on the offensive side was? Michael Carter, second year running back. Brees Hall had his he had his which he had his uh he had his flashes. But Michael Michael Carter right now to me, even if Brees Hall has a better skill set than Michael Carter, to me Michael Carter is the is the number one running back on this team. And he needs to be featured as such and let Brees Hall get in where he gets where he can fit in. Another thing that bothered me watching that game, Corey fucking Davis. If this motherfucker don't know how to fucking catch a ball, he needs to get the fuck out of the MetLife Stadium. Get out of Florham Park. I don't want another another season of seeing Brickhand Corey Davis on the fucking field. For all that, you could put fucking Denzel Mims in. I mean, you might, might not be able to get a playoff because the cocksucker don't know how to line up correctly, but... At least you know when the ball is caught, thrown to him, he'll catch the fucking ball. On at least two or three occasions, Corey Davis dropped a fucking pass that could have extended the drive. A common, a common refrain, a, a common scene from last season. Another common scene from last season is our offense being so fucking inept that when our defense actually is playing their hearts out, they get worn down. We effectively held Lamar Jackson in check the majority of the game until the defense got tired. And you know why the defense got tired? Because the offense could not 
sustain a fucking drive. Anytime we'll get a good first down run, second down, delay a game, false start, holding, illegal procedure, back them up. And then we were constantly in third and long all fucking day. I believe I believe the stat off the top of my head, because guess what? Ain't going to be no motherfucking notes on this edition because I'm going off pure emotion. I believe if my memory serves me correct, we were only two of 16 on third down. Putrid. How is the offense ever supposed to get any type of rhythm if you can't convert on third down? How is the defense supposed to hold stat and, and continue to be stout as they were trying to do if the offense cannot sustain the drive and every time the defense gets on the, gets on the sideline before they have an opportunity to actually get a drink of water, they're called back on the field? How is that supposed to happen, huh? How is that supposed to happen? The worst part was Baltimore was missing their starting left tackle and Baltimore was missing their starting number one running back threat. You had fucking Kenyon Drake in the backfield for Baltimore. The couple of passes, the couple of touchdown passes, one was a broken coverage. Uh, shit, reminds me of fucking Tall Bowles. One with a broken coverage. One was excellent, excellent coverage by Hall, the cornerback Hall, in which, listen, listen, sometimes the pass is just that good. The catch is just that good. But these were back-breaking plays because the defense was playing their hearts out. We have talent on defense, but no matter how much fucking talent you have on defense, if they're constantly on the field, they will get worn down. We didn't get our first points of the game, our first touchdown of the game, until late in the fourth quarter. Joe Flacco passed 57 times for over 300 yards, but it was a lot of garbage time. It was a lot of meaningless yards. Very frustrating. Very frustrating. But not only that, Monday, Monday afternoon, on his weekly spot on the Michael K Show on ESPN Radio 98.7 FM, Robert Sala, head coach of the New York football, no, the New York Jets, went on and he pretty much was letting y'all know look, I hear everything y'all saying. I hear all the all the fucking critics out there. And I'm taking names and I'm taking receipts. And when we do turn this shit around, I'm going to stuff all these receipts down your fucking throat. He didn't say fucking. I did. But down your throat. Isn't this the same Pavado? That was rewarded that was looked upon as such bravado when Rex Ryan was doing it yeah Rex Ryan matter of fact let me take that back the one thing with Rex 
at least the first two years he did it, he made sure the team backed it up. Now, Robert Sala, to me, was not in the wrong because I don't give a fuck if I'm the general manager. I don't care if I'm the owner. I don't care if I'm the head coach. I don't care if I'm the fucking punter. If after the first game of the season, everybody's acting like the sky is falling, which it might be, but everybody's acting like the sky is falling, and what? I have a spot on a radio station in New York and I ain't supposed to clap back? I ain't supposed to speak my mind? Fuck out of here. And then today we got Keyshawn talking about well, you know, you got more important things to be worried about than what's going on for, with the fans and the media. You got Tannenbaum who, tell you the truth, it's the fucking origin, it's the origin of where all our fucking bad fortunes are great. What started got him on his fucking soapbox. Well, you know, if you know, if he was coached by Bill Parcells, why well, he's not coached by Bill Parcells? If he was coached by Big Bill Parcells, Parcells would let him know nobody cares. And guess what? The same could go for your fucking opinion, Mr. Tannenbaum. Nobody cares. Not a fucking soul. I'm so worked up, I'm going to take a break and spit this shit up. I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Now, where was I? Yeah, that's right. I was I was getting in Mr. Tannerbaum's ass. I was getting on Keyshawn's slow ass. But enough about that. Is Robert Sala feeling the pressure? I believe he is. Going back to when I was talking about those New York football giants and their rookie head coach, the one thing that the giants have right now that the Jets do not have as of yet is hope. That's right. H-O-P-E. Hope. Because the giants are starting once again from square one. You have 16 more games. The first game was a overwhelming success. You've galvanized the troops. You show your philosophy of going for the win, not being conservative. And hopefully that'll be have hopefully the Giants will use that as a springboard into a decent season for all y'all New York football giant fans out there. Us, you know, gang green, you know, fans of the SOJ. You know, same old Jets. We don't really have hope as of yet. And the reason I say as of yet is because technically our team is not whole. 37-year-old Joe Flacco is not, I repeat, is not the future at all. We know this. He knows this. Hopefully, the majority of the fans know that. So we really can't start we really can't start to evaluate what exactly this 2022 iteration of the New York uh, of the New York JETS Jet Jet Jets are going to be until our crown jewel, for lack of a better term, returns from injury, and that is Zach Wilson. So right now, 
we have a problem at our quarterback position. Oh, not, not to mention our left tackle position because, you know, somebody decided not to draft the left tackle that would have been the replacement for Makai Becton. They decided to give Makai Becton just one more shot, just one more opportunity. And you know how he repaid us? By fucking getting injured again. Then they tried to rebound, signed Dwayne Brown off the scrap heap. And it should it could have been predicted that Dwayne Brown, being the fact that he was probably not in condition to go full throttle into the, sh into the shoulder, and he's probably out for the next five to six weeks, hopefully. I just get this vibe that he is going to be gone for the whole season. So now we're going to be stuck paying a replacement exorbitant amount of money to rehabilitate. Our line was trash. Our line, I repeat, was trash. The only thing we did somewhat well was run block. Pass protection was atrocious. We have a fucking statue in Joe, Joe Flacco who cannot buy himself time if his life depended on it. And certain times on Sunday, his life actually depended on it. So he must have nine lives. But my main criticism of week one when it comes to my J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets is this. I was fooled. I assumed that Joe Flacco was going to be a competent quarterback, which he is not. But the problem is, two, is tenfold. You hear in the fan base, you hear in the, in the media, why did they even waste their time with Joe Flacco? Why don't they just go to Mike White in this coming upcoming Sunday's game against the against the Cleveland Browns? Well, I'll tell you why. It's probably something that a lot of fans are not thinking about. Media probably knows, but that's not a good story. Even though I'll tell you the truth, it is a good story to me. Do you really believe that Joe Flacco um, resigned with us? because he loves the franchise that much? Do you believe that Joe Flacco re-signed with the Jets based on his good friendship with former Baltimore Baltimore Raven executive, executive Joe, Joe Douglas? You think their friendship is just that strong? No. This is the real deal of why Joe Flacco is going to be firmly entrenched as starting quarterback until Zach Wilson comes back and firmly entrenched as the number two quarterback for the duration of the season. I'm quite sure there was a tacit agreement that if he resigned, that he would be first up to deck if and when eventually Zach Wilson would get injured. Also, if you put Joe Flacco in the position while Zach Wilson is out, and you keep Mike Will, I mean Mike White, Mike White, King of New York, Mike White. If you keep him glued to the bench, you don't have to worry about a quarterback controversy. Because even if Flacco did win three out of the first four games, 
he in no way would be a threat to take the job from Zach Wilson. Y'all remember last year when Mike White threw for over 400 yards in the victory against the Cincinnati Bengals and everybody was proclaiming him the second coming? Everybody was proclaiming him, yo, who the fuck is Zach Wilson? No, we need this Mike White fellow. Remember that? I do. Trust me, Joe Douglas doesn't want to go through that. Robert Sala damn sure doesn't want to go through that. Because if by chance Mike White proves himself to be competent, dare I say NFL starting caliber, and he could run this offense like he ran the offense last year prior to his injury, then you have a quarterback controversy on your hands when this is a pivotal season for the Jets to realize or find out who exactly do they have or what exactly do they have in Zach Wilson. So right now, unfortunately, I'm going to have to take a step back. And I can't truly evaluate what this team is going to be for this season until our quarterback comes back from the injured list. No matter what Flacco does, if he can scrape two games in the, in the next three, which he should be able to because, matter of fact, because Cleveland is beatable. In Cincinnati, if we're going to catch them, we need to catch them early. They are beatable. Pittsburgh, I, I was going to say Pittsburgh was the gimme, but after what I saw this past weekend, their defense is going to swallow our offense whole. So if we have any any possibility if there's, if there's any possibility of us winning the next two uh, winning two games out of the next three it needs to be the next two one on the road one at home because we are not going into pittsburgh and beating them with that defense i saw on sunday we might we're, we're probably we should be able to keep it close because their offense is nothing to write home about but their defense is the fucking truth with or without the injury to T.J. Watt. You know, yeah, my blood pressure's calmed down. I've calmed down, but it'll probably ramp up when I talk about all the potential money I lost. But, uh, but yeah, week one wasn't great. Week one wasn't great at all. And, uh, like I said, I, I, I took my first couple spoonfuls of crow by giving the New York football giants the kudos they deserve for allowing the city to uh, actually have a winning football team, at least for this week, and also, due to my Dunkin' Donuts rewards, at least one of those motherfuckers won, so I should be... Oh, fuck, I, I missed it. Today's, today's Tuesday slash Wednesday. I think the free coffee or the free medium... It's on Mondays. Fuck. But for those who actually was able to cast that shit in, great. Next week, I don't know. I hope, I really hope that uh, we could do something to uh, galvanize the franchise, galvanize the fan base. So it won't be a totally lost season, even though it would make for great content for this podcast, great content for yours truly. I really, I really, I really don't want to go through another fucking long losing season. Look, if we don't make the playoffs, so be it. Fine, it was a shot in the dark, but 
Fuck it. On to Cleveland! Well, the newest... Matter of fact, it's not really a new segment, but something I figured out. Expand my reach in. And actually, uh... Discuss the rest of the action that happened in the NFL. Look, I ain't going over all the games, but the games of interest, the teams of interest, the teams that disappointed the most. Top of my list would be those Dallas Cowboys. See, this is what I was trying to explain during my half-ass NFL preview. That the amount of coverage, the amount of media coverage that the Cowboys garner, they don't deserve at all. Case in point, Sunday night football, first Sunday night game of the season, a rematch of last year's first night game of the season. I believe they played on Thursday night and because Tampa was the defending Super Bowl champions last year. And yeah, I'm driving in my car studio because I'm trying to squeeze this in for y'all. Anyway, so we have a rematch this year in Big D. And uh, in Jerry World, Tampa whooped their ass, 19-3. And Tampa wasn't even going on all cylinders. The most important thing that happened, the most, most important news that came out of this game was another injury to Dallas quarterback Dak Prescott in which he fractured a bone in his thumb on his throwing hand and immediately after the game, Dr. Jerry Jones said that, yeah, Dak, uh, you know, Dak messed up his, his, his thumb on his throwing hand and uh, looking about six to eight weeks. Now, this is, behind, this is before he even went to the MRI. This is before he actually had any discussion with the hand surgeons or whatever. But yeah, Dak is going to leave miss about four, about six to eight weeks. And then news came out yesterday, Tuesday to be exact, that they were not putting Dak Prescott on the IR because Jerry expects him back in about four weeks. Now, not to get too much into it, but I have a, a thought came to my mind when I heard that news, and it was a thought of disgust, and I'm really surprised of how many minority, well, how many minorities are fans of the Dallas Cowboys, because me, Jerry Jones, First saying that he, he should be out six to eight weeks and then the next day, talk about, yeah, we got good surgeons. You know, we got the best surgeon money could buy. So Dak should be out, should be back in about four games. It's almost like the thinking behind that is this. Listen, we gave this big black mother effer all this money, this guaranteed money, and this mother effer keeps on getting hurt, keeps on getting nicked up best believe I didn't become a billionaire by now getting return on my investment. So this, this big black mother effer is going to get 
back on that field as soon as possible. Because my name is Jerry Jones, and I guarantee it. That's the first thing that came to my mind of I got an investment. I got stock, livestock. Did I say I got an indentured servant on my hand? Yeah, you see what kind of road I'm leading down. And he's going to get back on that field and make me some money. Because I failed to invest in the rest of the team. I.e., I traded Amari Cooper. Didn't get a didn't get a replacement. Um, Cedric Wilson left in free agency. Didn't get a replacement. So now you got CeeDee Lamb. You got Dalton Schultz. The very underrated tight end, I might add. Fantasy favorite of mine. And two running backs. And that's it. You don't even got a decent backup quarterback. What is it? Cooper Ruff? Cooper Russ? Some shit? Yeah, okay. See how that goes. The next disappointed team from this past weekend. Denver Broncos. Yeah, that's right. Denver Broncos. Um, Denver Broncos headed by Russell Wilson. We're in Seattle to face his former team on Monday night and they lost a heartbreaker 17 to 16 in which rookie head coach Nathaniel Hackett with just over one minute remaining decided to drain the clock let the clock run down to 20 seconds and confidently chose to go for a 64 yard field goal instead instead of depending on the newest acquisition, Russell Wilson, who, by the way, he's known for last second comebacks, fourth quarter comebacks. But no, no. We're going to try a 64-yard field goal on the road in Seattle. And immediately after, or should I say the day after, Nathaniel Hackett issued a apology to the Denver fan base for being so conservative. But like I was actually discussing yesterday with um Mr. Tyler McDowell of the GI Pod, gimmick infringement. We was talking about football. And I had to let him know, and could have came to my mind while I was discussing this, that I totally forgot who Nathaniel Hackett was. I got him mixed up with the dude from, uh, the new head coach from Miami, the Miami Dolphins. You know, the one that they say uh, resembles logic. I thought Nathaniel Hackett was one of these young and up and coming head coaches. No, Nathaniel Hackett is the son of famous or in my in my case, infamous offensive coordinator Paul Hackett, one of the, one of the very very beginning, well, one of the users of the West Coast offense, one of the disciples 
of Bill Walsh, the great Bill Walsh. But if I would have known that, then I would have known that Denver's in trouble. I'm really kind of second guessing my pick for Denver going into the playoffs, specifically because of Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett, come, I think, I believe conservatism is in his genes. Yeah. This man, well, I know his father was infamous for the two-yard pass when you need five yards for the first down. And kudos to him for issuing an apology, even though the apology is not going to garner y'all that, that, that victory back. But... But it might go a long way into massaging the egos, massaging the emotions of the locker room, getting ready for their home opener against the Houston Texans. In which, you know, for all my gambling heads out there, Denver is favored by 10 points at home. Do y'all know that Houston took Indianapolis to a tie this past week and then the Apple's team that many expect to win the division many expect to be much improved due to improved quarterback play by Matt Ryan I think that might be that might be a pick of the week don't get me wrong I ain't I ain't giving picks of the week but that might be a pick of the week I might I might just 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 try that because even though normally you would think, oh, a good team coming off a bad loss on the road, going into their home opener, yeah, if they get one of the children of the poor at home, they're going to smack them. I'm not so sure because what, what I saw Monday night in Denver allowing bum-ass Geno Smith to have his moment in the post-game show saying, what, what was the saying he said? Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people wrote me off. I just didn't write back. What the fuck? That doesn't even fucking make sense. I mean, think about it. Yeah, sounds good. But that doesn't even make sense. A lot of people wrote me off. I didn't write back. Case in point why Geno Smith is a bum ass dude. Anyway. Yep, they're allowing Geno Smith to get that little fucking quote-unquote ball off. <laughs> I don't feel good about Denver plus 10. But yeah, you know, um, other things in the league, uh, the demise of Patrick Holmes was greatly exaggerated. Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs went into Arizona. Yeah, those Arizona Cardinals. And they smacked Arizona on the road to the tune of, I believe, what was it? 44 to 21 or 44 to 15? All I know is, really? Like they don't know I'm recording a podcast? Yeah, that's what I fuck I thought. Keep that, keep that noise down. What the fuck did I say? Didn't I say keep that noise down? Anyway, like I was saying, 
Kansas City. Looks like they're running midseason form. They're going to be very formidable. Even with the lack of uh, them no longer having Tyreek Hill. Quite sure. I think all the questions should be should be answered after week one. Another team that uh surprised me was the New York football giants like I like I discussed earlier. But yeah, so that's my little quick trip around the league. Those were the newsworthy items of this past week. And now we gotta get to figuring out. Does Donnie know what the fuck he's doing? No, not really. <laughs> this weekend proved to me, at least for the beginning of the season, that Donnie does not know what the fuck he's doing. I placed a wager on three parlays. Three. One was a single game parlay on Monday night, which I went heavy Denver. Denver plus 20 and a half points for the over. And of course, two fumbles on the goal line instead of kicking field goals. And the conservative, the conservative calls of Nathaniel Hackett prevented me from getting that total. And guess what? That is the actual thing that I missed on that parlay. I had Russell Wilson over 240 passing yards. I had Geno Smith under 195 and a half passing yards, which was great because guess what? Guess how many yards he passed for? 195. Yeah, I was on the ball. I had uh, Cortland Sutton plus 40 yards receiving. Yeah, I, yeah, I was, I was, I was going, I was going favorites. I had Jerry Judy plus 50 yards receiving. Yeah, he showed out. But fucking Nathaniel Hackett and his conservative play calling. I mean, Russell Wilson had 340 yards passing. So I figured, you know, if I'm as if I'm thinking, if I'm betting that Russell Wilson was going to have plus 250 passing, both receivers, Judy and Sutton was going to have plus 40, plus 50 yards passing. I mean, plus 50 yards, 40 and 50 yards receiving that that was going to amount to points. I mean, unbeknownst to me, that both Williams and Gordon were going to fumble at the at the goal line. That's at least 12 points right there. That parlay would have garnered me $275. Yeah, y'all thought I was going to say $1,000, I wish. Shit, I only put a $5 bet on it. See, I, when it comes to bets, I go for the underdogs. So if I do a parlay, I'm doing nothing but straight underdogs because Donnie fucking ooh is on a major budget. I only try to bet no more than $20 a week. But so therefore, if I lose, I'm only out $20. But if I hit, yeah, it's almost like a lot of everybody, I have a little bit more control over it. But if I hit, I'm the fucking man. That's what that's my thinking. 
when it comes to betting. I also had two other parlays in which I had the money line of Cincinnati over Pittsburgh, over Pittsburgh. And I almost had that if the Bengals kicker would have made a field goal, would have made an extra point. I had the Saints over the Falcons, even though the Falcons gave me a quite a scare. But I was able, or should I say, New Orleans was able to pull through. I had Carolina defeating Cleveland. And they came up short. Even though they had a furious fourth quarter comeback, they ultimately came up short in Baker Mayfield's revenge game. See, my philosophy was fucked up from the beginning because I, I, I bet scared. And that's what that was my problem. I normally, like I said, my philosophy is to go underdogs. I was looking for the short thing. So in all my parlays, I went favorites. But I should have known the first season, first game of the season, combined with the lack of preseason activity by the majority of the starters of the majority of these teams would lead to sloppy play. And if the play is sloppy, that evens the playing field and the underdogs actually have the advantage in the first week of the season. I knew this. I bet against my gut. It will not happen again. So, yeah. So, in summary, I bet, I think I, I, I wagered about $20 this past week that would have gave me a potential return of $800. But I didn't hit on nothing. Didn't hit on a damn thing. So, pff, huh. I was out $20. Fantasy-wise, that's what got me. That's what got me. Y'all see, fantasy ended up triple zeros on that also. I didn't even get a sniff of placing. Um, I did what they call a double up or a 50-50 in DFS fantasy, uh, fantasy football. And a double up 50-50 pretty much means as long as you get into the top half, let's say the top 500, top 600, most of the time it's top 500 because a lot of the pools are like 10,000 people. So as long as I get into the top, top quarter, you can double your money. So if you bet $25, you get 50. You bet $10, you get 20, so forth. And once again, what I know in my heart and what I know in my gut proved me wrong. So, and I, and I had some bad luck. All right, so my quarterback, Justin Herbert, you know, that's my always my go-to. And he had, a, he had a decent game. He had three touchdown passes. You know, uh, he gave me about 25 points. Right, uh, running back, I tried to go cheap. So I picked Brees Hall, figuring he was going to have show and prove because Joe Flacco was going to do nothing but dump it off. But he dumped it off to Michael Carter. So the Jets I will be staying away from on fantasy football, I mean, on the DFS, due to the fact that they have a two-headed running back and you don't know which one is going to be the hot back.
I had Saquon Barkley as my flex because I got him for about 6,100. And I'm quite sure that price is going to go up after the 160 plus yards rushing performance in the game running two point conversion. I know that price is going to go up, but I'm going to ride him for the foreseeable future. Probably, I'll probably make him one of my go to uh, running backs until he proves me wrong. The other running back, I believe I had, damn, I don't even remember who I had. But right receivers, I had Keenan Allen, figured I'd which guard I'll pair him with Justin Herbert, and he was off to a great game before he got injured. He had four catches, 64 yards, I believe in a quarter and a half. He was about to have a monster-ass game. He got injured, so therefore, that was stagnant. I picked Juju, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. He was decent. He had a, you know, a fast first half, kind of tailed off to the end. It was what it was. Defense. Who did I pick for defense? I think I picked Washington, the commies, the commanders. They gave me four points, and like I've discussed before, but I need to uh, kind of bring you up to date. Defense is always the cheapest option. Because as long as they're not trash and they don't give up more than 21 points, you'll pretty much be able to save money on the defensive choice and be able to use that money in better places. Tight end. I picked Hawkinson from Detroit. And even though Detroit scored 35 points, Hawkinson was trash. Because for some reason, I guess the running game was 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 in, was in go mode. Uh, they were passing to their wide receivers and the running backs, and the tight end got neglected. But I'm quite sure that will not hold up. So, in conclusion of the first salvo this year, the first segment of the season of does Donnie know what the fuck he's doing? I guess. The answer would be no, because the results speak for themselves. I lost $20 in bets, and I was a total zero when it, come to D, when it came to DFS fantasy football this week. Uh, we got a good Thursday night matchup with the Chiefs and the Chargers in KC. And uh, even though Keenan Allen, I don't believe he's been ruled out yet. He's probably questionable, more like doubtful. I still believe in my Justin Herbert. And that will be one of the games that I will put some coin down on this week. Might as well get these shits out the way. Because, um, like I said, it's not really a formal gambling uh segment it's not really i'm not really keen on giving picks but fuck it why not let me expand my horizons if there are three games that i would put some coin on i would probably go majority prop bets when it comes to the kc i'm uh, the chiefs and the Chargers tomorrow night I would probably 
bet the money line pro Bengals, pro Cincinnati Bengals, when they go against the depleted, the wounded, the deflated Dallas Cowboys. And I guess my special of the week, I would go against the spread. I'm, I'm This pick is based on against the spread. Like I said, the Denver the Denver Broncos and the Tex, uh, Houston Texans game this Sunday, Denver's home opener. The line is is ten points, favoring Denver. Lovey Smith is going to always have a stout defense, a stingy defense, and even if they struggle or offense, I still believe, combined with the conservative. Thoughts, the conservative um, pattern that Nathaniel Hackett displayed this past Monday night. I would put some coin on Denver not covering the 10-point spread. So, to recap my picks, I would go against the spread. I would put some coin on Houston to cover that 10. I would put on the money line, matter of fact, on the money line, I would go Cincinnati over Dallas and prop that city or to steal a term from somebody in the desert, prop Beck Jones Thursday night, Thursday night matchup, the Chiefs and the Chargers. It's going to be too close to call. Both money line wise and um, against the spread, so I would go strictly prop bets on that game because that game should be high scoring. It should be full of offense, and you should be able to garner some coin if you go that way. So yeah, keep in mind these picks are still part of the segment of Donnie doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. So listen to me. Follow my picks at your own risk. And don't y'all nan don't nan one of y'all come after me talking about, yo, I dropped fit I dropped a 50 ball. I dropped a hundred spot. And motherfucker, you was wrong. Well, duh. Because right now, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> well, people, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Salty Dorsa Donnie Podcast. I said it in the beginning, and I'm going to say it at the end. I'd like to thank each and every one of y'all for making me and this here podcast the one y'all choose to listen to. There are thing, big things about to happen. Big things are popping. Or about to pop. When it comes to yours truly, I might be seeing this handsome mug more than y'all thought y'all were going to see. But I'm not going to let the cat out the bag. And I'm going to refrain from um, exposing any surprises until it actually is set in stone. But you know what else? What is set in stone? Donnie O. Jay Furman. The eldest EP coming this fall. Matter of fact, coming sooner than you probably think. 
Yeah, my debut EP is cooking. And if you want to see just a promo video, a promo, uh, uh, just a, a little taste, a little taste of what's coming on that EP, check my Twitter page, at Donnie O, and you'll be able to see that promo. Little, little special little thing. And you will also see a little taste of the intro of the EP. That is available on my Twitter page, at Donnie O. Yeah. What else is there? Oh, yeah. Duh. I got to fucking promote my damn self. And you know, here got the plugs. EasyTree.me slash water Donnie Ooh. EasyTree.me slash water Donnie Ooh for everything Donnie Ooh. Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh merch can be bought at EasyTree.me slash water Donnie Ooh. If you want to get a little primer, get a little taste of what to expect on my debut LP, matter of fact, LP, no, EP, The Elders by Jay Furman and Donnie Ooh. And just some of my past work that can also be heard at easytree.me slash world of Donnie O. Please check out my YouTube page, youtube.com slash Mike Steph. That's right, youtube.com slash Mike Steph, where I probably will be going quasi live this weekend to get my thoughts on what the fuck is going on with my amazings. My fucking Metropolitans. We're in a pregnant race, and these motherfuckers are losing against, matter of fact, they're about to get swept by the Chicago Cubs. And I would talk about those musty-ass Yankees from the musty-ass Bronx. But that will be heard, and that you that can be seen at my YouTube page. YouTube.com slash Mike Steph. I should change the name and put it down to you, but... Eh, Slowly, slowly, slowly. Whatever you do, please like and subscribe that page. And whatever platform you choose to listen to me on, please like, subscribe, leave a comment, press the notification button. So whenever I decide to drop, guess what? Y'all will be the first ones to hear it. I think those are, those are, yeah, I think I'm finished with the plugs for me, not the plugs for others. Check out my bro, the homie, the Mojo King, and his Hidden Gems Golf. But more importantly, check out Hip Hop Hidden Gems. That's right, Hip Hop Hidden Gems. We're my home, me. Oh, that shit didn't come out right at all, but I'm too far gone into editing this shit. When my bro, the Mojo King, and his partner, Willie Freeman, will break down. They have a full episode, and they will break down the career of the Mojo's King favorite MC Chino XL. It's been a long time coming. I believe I did the calculation. I said I've been waiting for this for a minute, but it's been more than a minute. It's actually been 2,266,800 uh, minutes since I first heard 
of this potential project and it's finally dropped. So you can check out Hip Hop Hidden Gems on all streaming platforms wherever podcasting is available. And after you finish listening to this latest episode, you can check out Hip Hop Hidden Gems as well. No, Hidden Gems Golf as well. Yeah, fuck, I done fucked up the plug, but so be it. You know those two podcasts are a part of the and you know who else is a part of the gimmick infringement. That's right, gimmick infringement. Winchester and McDowell, Winchester and McDowell, or Winchester and McDowell, where each week they uncut they cover the past weeks happenings in the world of professional wrestling. Check them out on the YouTube page of youtube.com slash 19 media group and you just search and go under the playlist and when you see gimmick infringement yeah those are the motherfuckers i'm talking about right there press play i would break down this segment but this segment is too numerous that you just need to experience those fucking segments a rose from tyler one day when you have children and loads loads more check out winchester and McDowell, Gimmick Infringement, on all streaming platforms wherever podcasting is available. Check them out on Good Pods, the Good Pods app, where they are available. And yours truly is actually, I believe at last glance, number 27th, the number 27th independent podcast on the Good, pa- Good Pods app. Yeah, I'm just chopping these fucking plugs up something awful. But regardless, check out Gimmick Infringement. On all streaming platforms where podcasts are available and YouTube. Check out those bros. Because, of course, as I said it before and I said it now, they are both part of the 19 Media Group. Last but not least, check out the homie. Body, more bottles on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Yeah, I got to put some fucking spunk on that shit because, being the fact I've been. Normally, recording these shits 3 o'clock in the morning, I haven't been able to say, Body, more bottles on YouTube, like and subscribe. B-Moore's number one reviewer. B-Moore's number one liquor and spirits and wine and beer reviewer. The homie Zell does his thing. The homie Zell puts up concoctions live on air. He's like, you know what? I think this will taste good with this. This tastes good with that. And getting the tipsy bartender the fuck up out of here. And you can help get the tipsy bartender the fuck up out of here if you check out the homie. Body more bottles on YouTube. Like and subscribe. What the fuck? You heard me? Yeah. So, that's it this week. And I think I might have been able to get this shit under 90 minutes. Get the fuck out of here. Wow. But, um, yeah. So, until this weekend on YouTube, but in reality, until next week, everywhere else, I'll see y'all later. Goodbye. Bye. Let's get it, my nigga. What else is there to do? Uh.
I'm too high to act normal, G to act formal, a game will transform you Watch for the word of them niggas that word born you Watch where you headed cause niggas will turn on you Classy beamer wagon, I'm playing the firm on you Yeah, nature record mega Plastic paper and poor bearers Pain in the street, but we know that the Lord hear us It's money we need to make, but shit'll get funny if your friends act fake how can fate have hate? I don't know, I blow an ace to the face Keep smoking, keep drinking, shit I'm on a ride in my life so I'm letting the seat sinking Probably in the zone if I'm letting the beat sinking Aiming at your body, I'm letting the heat seek in Welcome to the syndicate, yeah I've been in it Money gets printed and burned but time is limited If you leave a legacy then it's infinite all I think about is numbers, rhymes, and businesses I just wanna be one of the greats So I studied the greats And I dug in the crates I don't pass weed, I smoke blunts to the face Weed from California, what a wonderful state Always knew what to do with the scale Blowing money fast, drive that Subaru still Wildin' out fishtailin', test on the piss feeling. Even with a deal, I wouldn't stop dealing. Made a bag naked, caught the bitch stealing. Get into a brick, sick feeling, sick. Bionic man, six million. Back in the whip, fifth gear and mouse. Yeah.